What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yard Podcast. I'm your host, Randy. And I'm your host, Tony. And we've got a little bit of an update for you guys when it comes to the players' proposal, a little bit what's going on uh, in Los Angeles, more so at Dodger Stadium, and a couple other things just kind of going on, players' thoughts on health protocols, safety protocols, and everything else that we're seeing. Uh, before we jump into that, I just want to say thank you, as always, to everybody who listens, especially those of you who've taken the time to leave reviews and give us feedback. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Keep it coming. Hit that sus- subscribe button, follow, whatever it is, whatever app. We appreciate all the support we can get from you guys. Um, so, yeah, you can find everything Dodger Yard at Dodger Yard. And then on YouTube as well, we're just Dodger Yard. You could check out the scorekeeping with Alan, uh, LA Dodger Dog. He does scorekeeping videos for us. And then you can find me on all social media platforms at Randy underscore Radcliffe. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Konu, M-Y-K-A-L-K-O-N-U. All right, so let's jump into the Dodger news since we are a Dodger podcast. Do you want to start that off and take that with us about what's going on at Dodger Stadium recently? Yes, yeah, so recently it was it came out that uh, Dodger Stadium and Camelback Ranch are opening back up. Those facilities are going to be open for players for medical and rehab purposes. Uh, both facilities are following strict protocols laid out by city and state officials. Uh, also, the Dodgers are doing a coronavirus testing site at Dodger Stadium in the parking lot, so that's that's good on them. Uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti announced earlier Tuesday that Dodger Stadium will be a coronavirus drive-through testing site. They will be able to test up to 6,000 people per day. They've designed the site so people can move quickly through so there wouldn't be long lines and a long wait time. So it looks like they're really trying to be efficient doing this, which is, which is good. Um, the city is partnering, partnering up with Los Angeles Fire Department and the nonprofit community organized relief effort to help operate the site. There will be big screens around the parking lot to show you videos of how to complete a COVID test. So when you're at the front of the line, you know exactly what to do and do it quickly. Now, the testing site said it should be open after Memorial Weekend, which was this past weekend. So maybe tomorrow. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, Mayor Garcetti has been encouraging LA residents to get tested, even if you aren't showing symptoms. So, Mom, I know you're listening. Please go to Dodge Stadium and get tested. <laughs> um, yeah, you can it's find all the free testing. Site. So, good, especially Los Angeles residents. If you're lucky enough to get that free testing, take it. Just go out and yes, get it if you and, think anything. It's if you're lucky enough with that, just go out and get the test if you can. So, you can also find a testing site or sign up for a test by calling the number two one three. Nine seven eight one zero two eight. Again, that's two one three nine seven eight one zero two eight. Um, but this is this is good for the city. I'm glad they're getting it done. I know. Uh, I think it's Sean Penn. I'm pretty sure it's Sean Penn. His nonprofit organization, Core, has been issuing free testing in Los Angeles, uh, so it frees up first responders. So that's great. Um, I'm glad that people are taking this seriously. I'm glad there's a lot of people out there who are willing to help and uh, keep because uh, health and safety is the, of the utmost importance. And uh, speaking of health and safety, uh, didn't a few Dodgers have some thoughts on MLB's health and safety proposal? Yes. And Walker Bueller is one of those, which I've been wanting to listen to. But also Scott Alexander, we heard from as well. Uh, well, not we, but the fan base in general. Uh, 
Also, really quickly, just a side note. Did you know that coronavirus testing site is the largest testing site in California now? I did see that. That's so cool. I thought at first he meant in L.A., but it was California. So that's wild. But anyways, good on the city of L.A. and good on the Dodgers for helping. Um, So if you listen to Joe and Oral's podcast this last week, you would have heard Walker Bueller. They asked him his thoughts on the health and safety protocols. So this is basically what he said. He said, it is what it is. uh, Yeah, it is what it is at this point. We're all just trying to figure it out. Some people are going to overreact and some are going to underreact and some people will just act right. And by that, he meant society as a whole. He was not talking about any specific players or fans. Um, He believes finding a middle ground between the people who think the virus is deadly and those who, in his words, you couldn't pay to wear a mask will be tough. Uh, said he's interested if and when they get back out there and seeing how the game really feels and how it looks like and how all of the players decide to interact. Uh, One thing they were apparently talking about players or at least Bueller has been thinking about in his mind was how are they going to approach this if let's say I I it could be any team so I'm not just saying whatever not just saying the Giants because it's it's the Giants but let's say the Giants come to town and let's say the Dodgers are all taking it super seriously San Francisco a little bit more laid back um how is that going to work out that's one question that Bueller had interaction wise uh going through the clubhouse they're all gonna have to walk through the same stadium they do have different entrances so if the other team isn't taking it totally serious it's not a huge deal but you do have to think from the player perspective They are still going to have hundreds of people coming into their home stadium. Um, So that will have to be for them. That is something that they are kind of looking at. But he did say he's excited to try and play than he is uh, kind of worried about anything else. That's his top thing is he cares more about playing right now. Uh, Said the thing he misses the most is he thinks there will be a lot of new rules they're enforcing. Uh, Like being in the clubhouse with teammates. He said to him that that connection and chemistry with players will be tough to uh, not It'll be tough to not have that connection with each other and build that chemistry when the clubhouses are closed down or you have to have six feet in between all of your teammates or half your team is sitting, well, most of your team is sitting in the stands. So that was Walker Bueller's thoughts on it. Um, kind of the same as we've heard from a lot of other people. Alexa- Scott Alexander had a little bit of thoughts on it. He, in an article by Mike D. Giovanna from LA Times, So for those of you that don't know, Alexander has type 1 diabetes. And when he was talking about possibly playing this season, he had said, from what I've been told by our doctors, as long as I keep my glucose numbers in good range and keep myself healthy, then I'm not really at any higher risk. Then he said, if the doctors were to tell me at some point that I was definitively at a high risk and it could be fatal if I were to contract the coronavirus because I have type 1 diabetes, then I would have to seriously consider not playing. So for Scott Alexander, I have a feeling that's probably going to be the same sentiment for most players. Um, But again, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, It doesn't sound like things are going too great, and we'll get into that very quickly. But when it comes to that health safety protocol and all that good stuff, it's not going very well for the uh for baseball at least it's looking that way so but the next thing I want to touch on still falls into place with all of this is of course the thoughts on whether or not a world series world series championship would be looked at is legit um 
Dave Roberts, another guest on Joe and Oral's podcast. As you guys can tell, I get a lot of information from there. Uh, he spoke to them because Joe asked him, what would this World Series mean? Do you think it would be any different? Looked at, whatever. So Roberts actually had kind of said a little bit of what we talked about when we spoke about this, that he thinks because of what we're going through as a country and even as the entire world, uh, there's going to be a sense of commodity and emotion from the team and players who end up winning. So for maybe the outside world, some people may not view it the same. But what those players who went through all of this won, he believes aren't going to care, uh, that they're all going to feel great about it, and that's how it's, that's how it's going to be no matter who, who that team is. Uh, he did say some could argue it would be even harder winning after everything we've gone through over the, la over the last few months with lives changing and lives lost. So he does think on that side of the argument, or on the same side of the argument, I guess, is that he does think this could be considered a lot harder because of everything that will have to be going through the change to the game. Um, yes, it's half of the season, but you have to remember fans aren't going, players can't feed off fans. They're not going to be able to use some of the same equipment they're used to using. So all of that kind of stuff does matter and it does come into play. So it is stuff they have to keep in mind, but um, we'll see what happens. And Dave Roberts, I mean, he said it best. It's going to be emotional for anyone who's involved when yeah. it comes to raising that trophy. So let's hope it's the Dodgers. But that's really all we have for the Dodgers. I just news. wanted to say something real fast. Go for it. Um, so as Roberts was speaking, I was kind of thinking about ultimately what Oral had brought up in that it, it could kind of be more memorable because of the tragedy we've occurred that, 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 that's happened. So like after such events, like how emotional and how invested fans and the world are into like the sport, it's going to be like a sense of we've overcome something traumatic and we're getting back to normalcy. So I think in that aspect, uh, the, the uh, World Series trophy would probably mean a lot more. Yeah, I, I, com I completely agree. So we'll see what happens. Um, for me as a fan, I would not view it any differently. That's still a World Series championship. That's all that matters to me. So we will, I guess, kind of see how the league takes it. As long as the players are happy with it, nobody else should really care. At least that's what I think. So, um, But you know what? A tweet actually just came through. So I wanted to mention that since we've been keeping up on this. But um, Jorge Castillo, well, I guess Ramona Shelburne was the first person to report it. But um, Jorge Castillo tweeted out, I can confirm that the Dodgers will cut some full-time employee salaries starting June 1st to avoid furloughs and layoffs. So the Dodgers will be cutting the salary of some of their full-time employees uh, starting in, what, a couple days, I think it is. June is sometime this weekend. So yeah. That's a bummer, um, but I guess... Very unfortunate. Yeah, I guess it just depends on the employees. Hopefully, uh, cutting some full-time employee salaries is more than what they would get if they were on unemployment because unemployment's paying a good amount, and it would really suck if some of these people lost out on their full pay and also could have more money if they just got uh, let go, but we'll see what happens. That not great news uh kind of sounds no. like the way the whole league is going unfortunately so 
We'll see what well, happens. Well, the Padres were able to pay everybody, so I'm still not understanding why the Dodgers can't do it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It would I. I really w- wish there was a way to like understand this stuff more. I guess. Uh, yeah. But I I don't know. I guess. As I guess. long as Stan Kasten doesn't try to explain it to us. Yeah, yeah, that never goes well when he speaks. So. But um, we do have a lot more interesting news when it comes to the MLB stuff. So do you want to go ahead and start that for us, and then I'll finish it up? Okay, so last week it came out about, you know, altering prep and recovery routines. Like there's going to be no hot tubs and no hitting cages or batting cages. You can't take showers and things of that nature. So the players responded, and their greatest issue is the no cold slash hot tubs, no hitting inside cages. Uh, they see this as an increased injury risk and not being able to properly prepare or to recover for the upcoming games. And like, I can understand where the players are coming from because it's, it's vital for them to be able to properly prepare and recover for upcoming games. Now I'm assuming this is why there are the taxi cab players or for that exact reason, like as a precaution for injuries, maybe the MLB just like assumed there would be injuries because they knew their health protocol wouldn't be of benefit to the players. So they want to be, uh, you know, as cautious as possible because of COVID. And since we are talking about proposals, uh, do you have any news regarding that? Uh, yes, actually. So the owners, they sent out their economic proposal to the players union. Um, did not go great kind of the way everything else here is going, but Uh, We did talk about the 50-50 shared revenue. However, that was never formally submitted to the players union. So that was just something that was everyone spoke about. They probably knew right away that that wasn't going to happen. So they didn't even bother submitting that to players. But what they did send to players today, this afternoon, Bob Nightingale reported that the owners agreed on a plan that will be sent to the MLB Players Association that includes a sliding pay compensation for player salaries, which means players who make the most money will take the biggest pay cuts, while the players that earn the least will make most of their guaranteed salaries. There's not a confirmed number yet on exactly how much players would be, um, I guess, yielding, giving up, whatever word you want to use if they go this route. However, John uh, Heyman tweeted out, again, this is take it with a grain of salt. There is no, like, this is not proven. This is just another sources thing. But he said uh, people involved estimate the best paid stars like Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, guys like that, Clayton Kershaw, might make about 20 to 30% of their full salary over 82 games plus the season. And he used Garrett Cole as an example. So this is how big of a hit this sliding pay scale could be for uh, the big name players. If we do prorated, so Garrett Cole gets paid $36 million this year. If we do prorated, what is that, $18 million? I don't know. I don't do math. $18 million? Yeah, that sounds right. Well, now he'd be getting $9 million. So instead of the $18 million at the prorated amount, he'd get about $9 million this way. So that would allow for the players who don't get paid very much to kind of not take as big of a hit. Uh, but it's going to be a massive hit on the players who, who make a lot of money. And there are talks between the players 
that they're worried this could be a way to divide the union because obviously if you're a lesser paid player you're like yes that's perfect let's go because they know they're not losing that much money and then you have these guys who have worked their ass off their whole career to get paid a shit ton of money and they're gonna go eh well sorry Garrett Cole you're gonna get nine million even though you signed for 36 million this year and that could kind of cause a rift between those lower paid players and those higher paid players because you're going to have pressure from both sides play don't play get us a better deal whatever the case may be so that's not great um and of course the players responded well that of course did not go well rarely does uh so evan drellich from the athletic tweeted out that the mlbpa players association is very disappointed with MLB's economic proposal today, calling additional cuts proposed massive. Um, League offered to share more playoff revenue, but on balance, those dollars are small compared to what players give up, the Players Association believes. So that was all from Evan Drellich. Players clearly aren't happy. They've said they're disappointed. Um, They kind of feel like it's a slap in the face. We're back, I feel like, at square one. We still have absolutely no info. Apparently, they're still so far apart when it comes to the health and safety protocols. So I feel like the more days go on, we get more confident. But then it's like stuff like this happens. And I feel like we're just now it feels further. Like NBA has talked about already coming back at the end of July. NHL just announced today that they will be coming back. Uh, Football, they haven't. They never started, so they're kind of just waiting on schedule to see how things go. But you have all these leagues. I mean, granted, you got M- soccer. I don't know if it's not MLS. I don't. I don't play close enough soccer to tell you between all the leagues and all that good stuff. Um, but you've got soccer playing. You've got baseball in other countries playing. You've got NBA here in the U.S. getting ready. You got NHL in the U.S. getting ready. But yet, for some reason baseball cannot figure it out so uh that's bad that's not good that's really all I had when it came to what was said so I obviously have my opinions on it but before I get too deep I want to know if you had anything to say on it while that information is still fresh I just want to clarify one thing so you say Gary Cole makes 36 million dollars this year that's what but you'll be cut down to 18 and they cut down to nine. Yes. So basically, it just keeps it keeps cutting it in what half. Is that a quarter of a salary? <laughs> Pretty of third, yeah. Yeah. A quarter, yeah. Yeah, so that's just, that's what John Heyman said. Um, so I'm gonna double check. You keep talking. I'll double check Garrett Cole's money. But that sounds about okay, right. Okay. Well, I mean, we we keep going over this every week. Like every week, it's the same thing. I get it. These billionaires aren't making money from players from fan revenue so they're losing money but then like what are the players risking their health and their family's health for they playing just to play they have lives and families to take care of as well and they should be compensated accordingly they're again they're the ones putting their bodies and health on the line to play the game while the billionaires can sit at home safely comfortably in their own house and watch the game this is it's frustrating and i'm sure we're going to be talking about this again next week and i'm going to be frustrated again next week so yeah good news is 
they want to start spring training June 10th. For that to happen, next week would pretty much have to be the last week that we would be talking about this without a deal put in place. So, Right. Nightingale said between the next seven or ten days if they want to stay yeah, on schedule. For July yeah. 4th opening day. So if they want to start on June 10th, they've got about a week to ten days to figure it out. So I'm hoping by next episode is our final time talking about this. I kind of doubt we'll have an answer by then. I have a feeling this could come down to like the very last couple days. Uh, teams are opening up stadiums like you mentioned earlier with Dodger Stadium. A couple other stadiums have started doing it, if not all of them. Uh, so they they want to play. Players are already getting ready just in case. So who knows? Uh, just not going well that much. I do know because it never seems to go well when it comes to stuff no. like this. Between... I feel like this is going to keep dragging on and on. Yeah, this is this is like Jeff Passan said on ESPN today. Like this is the most important kind of thing happening in baseball over the last quarter century like if you really think about it this is the most important thing to the sport that's happened in the last 25 years since the last since the strike um this could make or break the sport they have a chance at being the first sport back on tv or in 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 for anything um during all of this and if they can't figure it out due to money while over a hundred thousand Americans have died uh, and probably a lot more than that. That's just what's on record. Um, I just I don't see it going well. I don't know. I just... And isn't the CBA coming up soon too? Or the uh, bargaining agreement? Yeah, after the 2021 season. So it would be the new CBA would be heading into 2022. If they can't figure it out now, how are they going to figure it out then? Oh, it's going to be a mess. I'm assuming it's going to be the same issues. Exactly. It's going to be a mess and there might be a baseball strike then. Yeah, I mean, it'll things will they'll are like obviously they won't be arguing about these same things cuz hopefully we're not dealing with coronavirus by the end of 2021. Um but yeah, it'll be the same thing. It's going to be talks about money, it's going to be talks about contracts, it's probably going to talk about minimum pay for uh new rookies that come up or just guys in general. It's this, I feel like, is going to sit in the back of the owners and the union's mind. No matter what happens here, even if they come to an agreement, which they, I, even though things are going bad, I feel like they will because it just is going to be so bad if they don't. Um, it feels like that if they don't have season, the fallout could be a hundred times worse than if they do. And a lot of people just take a pay cut. It seems like it could take years to kind of recuperate all that if there's no season. But... Um, they just, they've, they've got to figure something out and it's, I don't want to see anybody get sick. I don't want to see any family members. So it's like, I totally understand where the players are coming from. I don't want to push anybody to do anything. They feel unsafe and uncomfortable. I just also worry about what happens to the sport and how people are going to treat the players. Uh, if this doesn't end up happening, cause we all know, the fans don't care about the owners, so it doesn't matter how bad they look to us. It's we care about the players. We care about the guys on the field, and so if get most of the blame, yeah. And if and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I have no idea what Kershaw or anybody's. I have no idea what Mookie Betts, David Price, any guys like that who are making a decent chunk of money. What is going to happen if we don't have a baseball season because? Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout and 
Max Scherz or any of those top name guys come out and tell you, no, I'm not playing. Obviously, it, that's a big, massive hit to baseball in general, but pull it in to the fan base. Just think of the hell that fans are going to give Kershaw if it was I don't it's obviously not going to solely be him but the fan base is only going to concentrate on the Dodger players they're not going to care what other players from other teams are doing if we don't have a season because of players making a decision that they don't want to play which they are more than welcome to do uh, I will not judge them if they don't I'll be bummed if we don't have baseball but they need to do absolutely what's best for them and their families uh, I just, it's going to be so ugly if we don't have season. And that's really the main reason why, obviously I want it back for selfish reasons, but selfish reasons aside, that's really the only reason I really want it back, um, is because I worry so much about the kickback on the players and the sport in general, if we don't have baseball season. I agree. But, um, we'll see, but. John Heyman did make a good point that the union, obviously not a big fan of this proposal, but it is the very first offer. So there can be negotiations going back and forth. Uh, I mean, we could hear tomorrow that they struck a deal. I don't think that'll actually happen, but they could be super far apart and then work things out. They might be far apart on health and safety, but if they can come together on money, maybe they'll work out the health and safety as they get through spring training. Who knows? Maybe they do it the other way around, meet at the health and safety. But like he said, it is only the first offer. Um, but he did say MLB, like I mentioned, hoping to start spring training around June 10th. And the sides are determined not to let economics stand in the way of a season. So we will see how much they actually mean that, though, because it's a little different when they say it versus actually and I don't I'm not talking about the players. I this is all about the owners for me. So John Heyman was being logical <laughs> with reason and yeah. he was being semi positive. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a new one. Yep. I mean of course you read the comments uh that that everybody you know what? I I'm liking these comments though. There's a lot of Tired of the owners crying poor. The billionaire owners are the real babies in this situation. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'm glad some fans are seeing it. I know some won't, um, but the players will fold. They always do. Baseball simply doesn't look good. Yeah, so basically all the same stuff we've been reading. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's go into something a little bit more fun since this is obviously not that great to talk about <laughs> um i've been talking for a while so i'm gonna let you take this one it's about our twitter question so go for it okay so our twitter question was uh favorite vince scully call and there were a lot of good ones but i think the obvious answer and there was a lot of these were the 88 world series game one of course um, but I took it from at nine Trapper because he gave most of the quote. Now I want to say before we get into all of it, like I wasn't alive for this, but uh, the thing I remember most, it wasn't the hit itself. It was the call as a whole. So like Vin is incredibly good at setting a scene and telling a story. 
And when that moment happens, everything just ties in together like so well. Do you have the clip that you wanted to play? Yep. Here it is. So, again, he set the stage with the whole all year long they called on him and all year he uh, he let the fire and all year long he answered the demands. And then the at-bat happened, the moment happened, he made that call, and then he sat quiet. He does a great job. Of, after big moments, he makes the initial call, and then he just sits quiet and lets the fans at home enjoy what's going on in the stands, enjoy the players and how loud the crowd is. So after that initial call, he sat quiet for over a minute to just let's enjoy everything. I mean, Vin is the absolute best to ever do it. And I don't think there's a debate for it, to be honest. And uh, But also, by the way, I'm still not 100% sure how that ball got out of there. <laughs> if you keep, If you just watch it, Gibson really just flings his bat out at the ball, and somehow it just carried over. Uh, but so yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, and there were no juiced balls back then. It was yeah that 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 well, whole maybe the players were yeah that's true. <laughs> but I mean that whole like what you just played out the whole thing. But even his swing, like it just I don't want to say it looks lazy, but he was hurt, so I don't really absolutely yeah, yeah. It it almost looked like a lazy basically what you're told to do just put the ball in play when there's two strikes if there's anything near the zone even if it's a ball you have to swing because you don't know what the ump is going to call and it kind of looked like that's all he did was just get the bat a little bit out there um and it oh man I mean same thing as you I wasn't alive and I can remember that play over and over it's the only one that obviously really plays in my mind when it comes to Dodgers World Series, but uh, yeah. as great of a moment as it is, I will say no offense to Gibson. I'm really tired of hearing about it. Not in, uh, not in this, <laughs> a no, 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 not in Hot this take. aspect, not in this aspect. I'm tired of hearing about it because I'm tired of hearing about 32, 33. That's what I'm tired of. I'm not tired of the game itself or the play itself, anything like that, or Kirk Gibson. I'm tired that we don't have something else to look at now and that we're constantly having to go back to that whenever we want to relive like the World Series stuff. Like I want to be able to go and look at footage from a year or two ago. That's what I mean when I say I'm over it. I didn't mean like anything like disrespectful. <laughs> I just meant I, I'm tired of that. But like prior to 17, I mean, the Cubs had to wait like 100 years. Oh yeah. So I mean, at least we're not the Cubs. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, it's again, it's a selfish thing. It's it's th at the end of the day, my team has won so many championships that yes, I haven't lived through any, but they've still got way more than a lot of other teams. So, no, it is. It's it's the only play that I expect them to relive because it is the most recent biggest play out of all of that. Uh I would just I'm ready for a new call. I'm ready for something different that 
is not the same Kirk Gibson video. I'm ready for like a Clayton Kershaw lifting his arms because he's pitching in the ninth inning and strikes out the side in game seven, the world series. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see that kind of stuff. Cause I'm ready for it. I think the whole fan base is ready for it. But, um, with that being said, I'm going to actually jump into my favorite call because it was Kershaw. It's from Kershaw's no hitter. There are actually two different quotes. One was pulled by retro Dodgers and one was pulled from Jody wall W H L. Um, so I'm going to play a couple of them for you. So that way you can hear them. Obviously they're just going to play in order and then we'll, we'll relive that moment really quick. Although we certainly do not believe in superstitions, we would advise you if you have a friend or three who might love baseball, you might give them a call and say, hey, you better tune in the Dodger game. Kershaw is doing a gem. And now, if you don't mind, I'm going to sit back and watch it with you. There's one out to go. One miserable, measly out. Hang in there, Alan. Hang in there. He's done it. Clayton Kershaw pitches a no-hitter, a career-high 15 strikeouts. And then when it's all said and done, he'll escape all the excitement and the noise and talk about a dream come true with his wife, Ellen. Big moment in a young life. So, obviously, I played quite a few there um, because I just feel like kind of like what he did with Gibson he kind of let it as the game went on he went from just being his normal broadcaster self giving it to us by saying uh, as he always did put it in a fun way but saying although we certainly do not believe in superstitions we will advise you if you have a friend or three who might love baseball you might give them a call and say hey you better tune into the Dodger game so even though he says we don't believe in superstitions, he still does not say tell your friend to turn the game on because Kershaw's throwing a no. Uh, no, I think at that point it was still a perfect game. Yeah. So you just don't say it. He didn't say it. So uh, I thought it was just a good part of it leading up to it. And then kind of the fan side of him coming out when he says, now, if you don't mind, I'm going to sit back and watch it with you. And then, of course, within like the last two minutes, you've got the whole there's one out to go he's you can hear it he's excited for Kershaw and then uh I feel like every single Dodger fan has seen it you can almost visualize her but the camera pans to Ellen there's two outs bottom of the ninth and he's telling her to hang in there and then as he gets it of course Vin Scully with the perfect got him uh He's done it and then talks about how Clayton Kershaw pitched a no hitter and then finishes off with it's a big moment in a young life. And I just I don't know. I feel like a lot of that just kind of encapsulate encapsulate. No, <laughs> whatever that word is, I'm uh, you know what word I'm talking about, whatever. It kind of captures Kershaw's entire career. Uh, Kershaw's thrown a lot of gems. We all kind of just want to sit back and watch him when he's at work and do his thing and it just when you say like he's done it, it Kershaw's basically done it all uh now we just need to get him that world series championship so that way he can really say he did it all because he he earned it and uh I'm gonna go off really on a side note really quickly because I saw Should this on 17 yeah exactly I'm gonna 
go off on a side note really quickly because I actually saw this on Twitter and someone made a really good point. Everyone is so willing to dig into Kershaw and be like, hey, you uh, you suck in the World Series. You've lost back-to-back World Series. Yet, when they say those things, they never want to follow it up with, hey, Kershaw, you got screwed out of for sure one World Series. The second one, it, debatable depending on who you ask. Um, so, yeah, let's start throwing that into the narrative, too. Because that is true, and I have admitted it on Twitter, and I will admit it here again. Uh, I had a lot of animosity towards Kershaw since 2017. I just could not forgive him for the whole World Series. I felt like that, what was it? It was a game, he pitched game five, right? Five. Yeah. Game five, um... I felt like when he blew the lead, like that was it. That cost us the World Series. So I've been mad about that for over two years now. Uh, and then when I found out he cheated, I felt terrible. And I felt really bad that like this whole time I've been super hard on him and had insane expectations when it wasn't even his fault. Um, so, yeah, let's let's change that narrative. Stop bagging I, I on Kershaw. One thing, Kershaw was brilliant in that World Series in Game 1 and Game 7. He got cheated out of Game 5, and he started really well Game 5, too. But um, you said that you blame Kershaw for the World Series loss. I actually blame Jansen. I was going to say, that's the other one that comes to mind. After Game 2, I was like, this is over. We're not winning. So, I wouldn't say hatred, but I would put the blame on Jansen. Yeah. No, that's fair, too. Um, Another one that's wild that I don't think a lot of people have noticed or paid attention to, which you don't necessarily do, but uh, I don't remember what game it was. But do you remember there was a play where Puig ran and barely missed catching a ball in right field? It, like, just got past him. I can't even. Oh, man. Do you know what I'm talking about or no? And Puig got pissed and, like, threw his glove at the ground because he was mad that he didn't catch the ball. I think I do remember that part. Okay, so funny enough, I was reading an article in 2018, and I'm not here to bag on Puig, but in that play when he didn't catch the ball, it ended up coming back to hurt the Dodgers that they didn't get that out. Only to find out later that had Puig listened to his lineup chart whatever – uh, that the coaches give him, he would have made it to that ball on time. But instead, he decided not to listen to it and cut more left. So he was late to the ball and could not make that play when he should have made the play. So I believe that was a turning point in the game. I'm trying to find... Was it game five? Because that was a crazy game. No, it was at Dodger Stadium. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to find out where that was. Because I don't want to. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Game two and seven. No. Okay. I'm watching it right now. So it was October 26, 2017, whatever year that was. But yeah, he's pissed off. If you click on it or you'll see him, he dives and he throws his like throws his glove at the ground like he was pissed off. Um, Granted, this information was from an article. So 
I, I can't say 100% sure that that's what Puig did. And it's not, it doesn't all fall on one player no matter what happens. But it's right. just little things like that that you look back at a fan and you're kind of like, man, whether it was Puig, Jansen, Kershaw, you think back and you go, man, dude. Cody Bellinger. What the heck? Yeah. So, yes, it was game two. I'm watching it right now. So what happened was it's the top of the eighth. The Dodgers are up three to one. And uh, that little troll, Alex Bregman, is hitting. Uh, hits one out to right field. And Puig makes a beautiful, full laid-out dive and just misses the ball. And the ball bounces into right field. And so it is a ground rule double. He was pissed that he missed it. Threw his glove at the ground. Um, but that was a big, big argument for people because that was the top of the eighth. That was when Brandon Morrow was pitching. There was no outs. So yeah. that was kind of when it started. That I, It was that inning. It fell apart, right? Jansen gave up the, t- the – did he give up the go-ahead or tying run? See, I've erased so much of this from my mind because I don't even want to uh, remember. I want to say he gave up the tying to Marvin Gonzalez and then gave up a go-ahead. Yeah, I don't remember. I just know that that was another instance. So it seems like game two, it it wasn't just Puig. It wasn't just Jansen. Uh, they both made mistakes there. That could have got us a World Series. But you know what? We're not going to. I heard a lot of stories about Puig not reading his uh, card or ignoring his card completely and misplaying a lot of balls. Yeah, that's the article I, I got it from. I think that's part of the reason why he's not here anymore. Now, I know a lot of people love Puig, and I'm sorry, Puig fans. I am glad he's gone. I know you guys are going to hate me for it. I said what I said. All right. Well, He drove me nuts. Yeah, he was he was a love-or-hate kind of guy. I'm Super fun and energetic, yeah. but he made so many stupid plays, I didn't care about the energy anymore. Yeah, there were a lot of questionable things. I read that article that you're talking about, and it was, I think Justin Turner put it the best way. It was frustrating because of how much talent he had and the type of player he could have been. But Extremely talented. Um, I would never take that away from Yeah, him. no, he could be a hell of a player. He he went through a lot. I, I don't want to sit here and bag on him. Uh, He went through a lot. He did have, I just, I don't think the Dodgers were ever going to be the right fit for him the way they run an organization. Uh, I really believe that they should uh, – he should play for a team that's going to let him be him 100% because that's what he needs. That's when he's the best player possible. Uh, I'm really hoping he doesn't sign with the Giants because I don't see the Giants being that team. And she go to the Marlins. Yeah. I, I think th- the Marlins would let him be him. They let Jose Fernandez be Jose Fernandez. Oh, yeah. Well, in that community, it would – oh, yeah, it they'd would, embrace him like crazy. A lot crazy. of Cubans, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's on, it's it's a weird situation because he did so much. He came in, but there was like so many back and forth. The good thing was, one thing I will say about him was I could never really get down on him too much because he seemed like a good. At least he seemed like a good human being. He was a little bit wild, but it seemed like for the most part he was at least taking care of his kids with his girlfriend wife whatever she is absolutely so i had um, zero issue with the person it was mostly just about the plays yeah it's hopefully whatever he's doing he's gonna be with the team i think i think it will be the giants but we'll see what happens um that's gonna be that's gonna be weird 
That's gonna be really weird if he re- if he returns to Dodger Stadium with an orange and black uniform on. I don't know about he'll that. He'll get one. cheers, of course. Oh yeah, he will. He'll get cheered. I think he'll get cheered and he'll get booed. I remember the first time, uh, especially since he's signing there on his own. I'll remember the first time uh, Matt Kemp came back and the very first one, very first at bat, everybody stood, clapped. It was opening day, 2015. I want to say. Uh, Everybody clapped. Second at bat, he came up. Everybody booed. So I have a feeling that's what would happen with Puig. You give him the welcome back, kind of clap, and then after that, he might not. But we'll see. Whatever. As long I as... missed his first game back with the Reds. Was he cheered? I would assume so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. But the thing is, is the fan base always does the whole Puig, and it sometimes sounds like boos, so you can't really boos, tell, yeah. which is a good thing for him. Like, you can't tell if they're cheering or booing you. It all sounds the same. So... <laughs> But anyways, good luck to him, and hopefully he ends up on a team, and hopefully we have baseball soon. But we're almost done here, so I'm going to jump into our positive podcast moments that we do every week, Uh, just stuff that's going on around baseball, what our players are doing, stuff like that that's helping in the community because nothing is very positive right now. So we're going to do this. First thing first, congratulations to the Dodgers, uh, more so the Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation. ESPN nominated them as a finalist for the Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year. The Sports Humanitarian Team Award represents a sports club or team that demonstrates how teamwork can create a measurable impact on a community or cause. The winner will be able to direct a $100,000 grant from ESPN to the qualified charity related to the to the award-winning humanitarian efforts. The finalists will be able to direct a $25,000 grant to the charity related to their award-winning efforts. And ESPN will air a combined show on June 21st at 6 p.m. L.A. time with the Sports Humanitarian Awards and the 2020 ESPYs. Um, And then that week prior, all the nominees will be featured in ESPN studio shows the week of June 15th. So keep an eye on ESPN. You might see some stuff about the Dodgers and the Foundation. Um, as always, this has pretty much become a weekly thing on the podcast, but good old Justin and Courtney Turner continuing to be a huge help to the LA Dream Center. Uh, they did say just if there is anyone who listens or knows anyone who goes to LA Dream Center, they are no longer doing breakfast. They are only open from noon to 6 p.m. Uh, breakfast was one of the slower meals they had, so they're focused on providing what they can everyone for lunch and dinner. And they said as of Wednesday when the pod, when they're, this was last Wednesday, so almost a week, uh, over 600,000 meals so far they've served, which not just uh, Justin and Courtney, but at the LA Dream Center, which has had Kershaw donating. We've seen the Woods, the Muncie's, ton of people donating to that and getting those meals out, which is so, so cool. Um, so that's awesome. They're doing that. The... Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation awarded a $10,000 grant to Brotherhood Crusade to provide internet access and technology hardware for 5,000 low-income families in South and East LA. Um, Unfortunately, with a lot of stuff going on with coronavirus, there are a ton of kids out there who don't have the things that they need, the resources that they need to keep up with schoolwork and everything online. So huge thing by them to help out with that. Uh, None of these kids should have to be losing out on their education because of this virus. So hopefully all those kids can get some help because it's just been a hard time. Um, 
Another thing, really cute picture. If you have Instagram, go on Kershaw's Instagram and you'll see it. On Friday, he posted a picture of his daughter and son, Callie and Charlie, delivering Gatorade to the construction workers across the street. Um, They're helping them build a new elementary school in Dallas. So that was really cute. They had a ton of Gatorade and then Charlie was holding a sign that said, thank you for building our new school. So if you want something positive to look at and to smile, that's it. You can go see Kershaw's kids being cute as always. And then last but not least, Magic Johnson is providing $100 million in loans to minority and women-owned businesses, well, minority-owned and women-owned businesses through the company that he's a majority owner of. So that's huge as well. Uh, Obviously, the government did a lot of, they did the, had their money, but didn't really do much for small businesses. And of course, minorities, they don't ever help out very much. So they didn't get much money and they weren't really taken care of. So Magic Johnson is doing his part to help there. Uh, But other than that, that was really the only positive stuff I had this week. Um, Did you have anything to say? Yeah, uh, as far as the Dodgers being a finalist for the Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year award, uh, I guess this is just more of that Hollywood lifestyle, huh? Yeah, pretty much. That's what they're spending their, <laughs> spending their money on. That's where all the money goes. But since I have like, well, we have a couple minutes where we're just about hitting right under an hour. But I wanted to bring something up because I think it's very funny. And um, he's an L.A. star. So, I mean, it fits in. But for those of you who didn't hear, I don't know the exact connections. There was when I was reading about it, I got a little confused. But... Um, Alex Bregman (laughs) left his agent last week because of LeBron James, because LeBron James, it's, is it uninterrupted? Is that the name of it? Do you you know LeBron's show? Yeah. Cause it's his show. I think it's, yeah, it's uninterrupted. Uh, so he has his TV show documentary, little docu-series type thing, whatever it is. And they are producing a, uh, Astros cheating scandal documentary and because LeBron that is his agent as well or that he's partnered up with whatever it is however LeBron is connected to him Alex Bregman left uh they did not say that was the sole reason of him leaving but that was pretty much the final straw and I just think it's funny like what a bitch like how (laughs) I mean come on dude like you cheated and you're mad that someone wants to make a documentary like get over yourself you cheated what did you think was going to happen especially when you had all those sorry ass apologies he's got he's got that little man complex or syndrome whatever you want to call it napoleon napoleon complex yeah yeah and as far as bregman and lebron so bregman was with clutch sports that's where his agent works and clutch sports is also where lebron is signed to so that's the connection there okay clutch sports that's right yeah okay that's what it was i knew there was a connection wasn't sure 100% what it was but I just thought I saw that and I thought that was so funny Um, because LeBron even tweeted out when the whole cheating scandal happened how pissed off he was and so it made it even better and it makes it I mean it's another thing added on when it's an LA star doing it so it's not just like it's a it happens to be like I don't know about like Steph Curry happening to do it like it's the Los Angeles Lakers when you cheated over like their baseball team so I think that's great I uh, can't wait to see it. I forget what it was called, but it was really funny. <laughs> that much I remember. Um, 
So I'm excited for that. I, you know what? I'm hoping one day we get like a full on 60 for 60 where they start like, I just, I want them to admit like the full truth. Maybe one day, who knows? Probably not, but 30 for 30. Yeah. That whatever. Yeah. yeah. That, what did I say? 60 for 60. I, I want that. The, oh, it's the whole, the whole Michael Jordan thing they're doing. I want that for, for the cheating scandal. Yeah. I don't, you could put, you could put freaking voiceover and cover their faces. I don't care. The players, I don't need to know who's telling me, but just give me that. Like, go ahead, take, take those players and edit their voices and black them out. So nobody will ever know who it was that, that ratted. Like, just let me hear it though. Let me hear what it is. Let me hear about all the cheating they did, who did it. And let me hear that Alex Bregman is not really six feet because that is also another huge lie that he tries to put off. And he's listed at six feet. Yeah, he's a liar. Oh no, he's like no. a whole five eight. He's like my height. I'm five seven, five <laughs> eight. He's like a whole five eight. And someone posted a picture of him next to a first baseman. I want to say like maybe Freddie Freeman. I don't know. Someone posted a picture of him next to a first baseman who's like six two, six three, and he had like a whole five or six inches on Bregman. So Freddie Freeman's pretty big. Yeah, it might have been Freeman. Um. Or no, maybe not, because it wasn't. I don't know. I just know that there's no way that man is six feet. Fans have taken pictures just, with him. Let's have him stand next to Muncie and see how tall he really is, because Muncie isn't all that tall either. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be. If if we play him this year, we're going to have to find a clip where he's stra- standing up straight next to someone. And then that way we can blast it. Because on MLB's website, he says he's six feet, and that's a lie. But Yeah, no, I'm not buying that either. Yeah. Anyways. He's barely taller than Altuve. He is. I hate them both, but anyways, um, that was all I had. I think we're good. You good? I'm good. All right. Well, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Don't forget to review and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, you can find us at Dodger Yard, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and then obviously this podcast. And you can find me at Randy underscore Radcliffe. And you can find me at Michael Konu, M-Y-K-A-L-K-O-N-U. And we will catch you guys next week and hope you all have a great day or night whenever you listen to this. See you later, guys.